Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Anissa Muhammad. She is the owner and founder of the Aesthetic Loft. Anissa, how are you today? I am fabulous, Brad. How are you? I am doing wonderful. I am so grateful and thankful for you taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey with us here on the Empowerography podcast. I appreciate you. Absolutely. I'm honored to share your time, energy, and space this morning. (laughs) Well, let's jump right in. Anissa, as mentioned, you are the founder and owner of the Aesthetic Loft. You worked in healthcare. You were a healthcare provider turned entrepreneur. How long did you work in the healthcare industry for? And what did you do as a healthcare provider? I am a respiratory therapist, the often overlooked healthcare provider within the system, yet so important to just the functioning of everything. We are from eMERGE to ICU to new babies. And I just don't think our praises have been sung enough, but I have been a respiratory therapist now for 20 years. I did that for three years full-time and still maintain a casual position for the love of my job in being able to help the people in the capacity that we do. But three years full-time into that job, I realized that 12-hour night shift was not (laughs) going to last. You know, I wasn't going to last too long doing that. And so was always intrigued by the sales reps coming in and the new products that were being spoken about and attending conferences and seeing how they were still part of the healthcare community, but just in a different capacity. Right. And now probably 15 years ago, I took a leap that most, you know, healthcare clinicians at the time weren't going to take and popped a resume into a company at the time, one of the largest medical medical device distributors in the world. And I was like, Actually, I was at Trinidad Carnival at the time. Ah. <laughs> I was in the spirit. I'm like, yes, this is the time. Let's go. And I was really fortunate enough to come across a manager who recognized the skills, the clinical skills that I had at the time, and who was willing to mentor me in the world of sales and marketing. And it was a great relationship where he taught me all things sales and marketing, and I taught him all things clinical respiratory. And really my career in sales and marketing, medical device started 15 years ago. Wow. So this transition from being a healthcare provider into the aesthetic nursing world, is this a common occurrence? I mean, I have noticed through women that I have met through my journey that, and, and, nurses, healthcare providers, specifically 
they are, I'm seeing, I've seen transition into the aesthetic medical world. So why is this such a common occurrence? Well, I think what's happening in our hospitals today with our, not only our nursing staff, all of allied health, our doctors included, there has been this rooted problem for a very long time. And that is the appreciation that is given to our healthcare professionals within the corporations themselves. It's been kind of a leaky pipe and COVID has just busted that pipe open. And what we are seeing is healthcare professionals looking for alternative opportunities to leave the healthcare space and essentially build something for themselves. They've spent a lot of time helping others within the healthcare system, dedicating nights, weekends, holidays, so much time away from family and friends. And when the time came for these corporations to support them in a way that was needed, they were kind of hung out to dry, to say. And as people start to look for these alternative opportunities, as healthcare providers, we often put limitations on ourselves. We don't realize the potential that we hold, the knowledge that we have, because this is all we've ever known for a lot of us. We started these careers from the time we left university or nursing school or respiratory college. And the hospital space has always been our life. Yeah. And we don't realize that there's a whole other world out there. (laughs) The hospital and then you is the get be this, all and end all. That's it. These four walls. Yeah. We live our life in these four walls, right? And I often say this to my community, you know, the hospital has taken away our identity because they've all they put us in these scrubs. We all yeah. look the same, do the same, feel the same. They pay us a nice paycheck. So we get comfortable in whatever it is we're doing because we know this paycheck is coming every two weeks. Right. They tell us what to do. They tell us when to come, when to leave. They tell us, you know, you've got a little bit of autonomy, but really at the end of the day, you're following these stepwise orders. All the systems are in place for you. So if anything were to go haywire, you don't really have to think for yourself. You pick up a phone and you call IT or somebody comes to fix it for you. Yeah. Even in your sickness of patients, you pick up a phone and call the doctor and somebody's coming in for it. And so this world of medical aesthetics with the rise of Instagram and social media, we're starting to see, hey, she's got some freedom going on. She looks great. She's running a successful clinic. And all she did was take a two-day course to learn to inject. This is looking like a whole better option than what I'm doing here on these 12-hour night shifts, killing myself. And so with this desire for freedom, for this desire for something more than the hospital is offering them, the respect that they're looking for, the appreciation they're looking for, and still being able to have an impact on a right a patient population, medical aesthetics is looking like a really great place to be. And the fact that I think, you know, just for the audience, like medical aesthetics is not regulated here in Canada. It's not regulated in the US. It's not regulated in the UK. And when I say it's not regulated, there is no specific training required for a healthcare practitioner to become a medical aesthetics provider. Wow. Scary, but true. And so what we are seeing (laughs) today, it's a very easy path, right? right? I don't have to go and take this certification or spend X amount of years in college anymore. A lot of them are feeling like time is not on their side. So what is this next quick solution that I can jump into for my career? And again, with a two-day course, giving you the permission now 
to go out and inject somebody's face, it seems like a really great option when you're looking to leave the hospital. What prompted or facilitated the move out of that world for you into the entrepreneurial world? So I was in a career at a medical device company. I was managing the team. I was on the sales and marketing team. It's really cutting edge technology, Brad. When I'm telling you the things we were able to do with the accuracy we were able to achieve, we can make so much change in people's lives. But for me, I was too far removed from that end customer from that end client and running this team and developing this equipment while great just wasn't fulfilling something in me. The company was fabulous. You know, we traveled the world, you were making six figures, staying in the best hotels, going to the best conferences, you know, all of the things that people think that they desire in a job or a career. And one day I decided that this was no longer serving my greater purpose. I knew that there was just something else out there for me that I was not ever going to achieve in staying comfortable in the place that I was, right? And so I started to dabble in this world of, well, let me see what else I can do as a respiratory (laughs) therapist. I was always involved in the world of beauty, you know, hair, nails, face, and people always used to ask, hey, can you inject? Are you, can you do Botox? Can you do fillers? And I was like, well, I should be able to, I don't know, actually, let me go to the college (laughs) of respiratory therapists and find out, is this something we can do? And I am probably one of a handful of respiratory therapists across Ontario. So this is, you know, province related that we are able to go the path of medical aesthetics and inject under the directive of an MD or an NP. And so I was like, yes, let's go. What do I need to do? I'm foreign in the space. I'm a respiratory therapist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. So I'm starting from really ground zero. Connections were difficult to make. Tons of courses to choose from. Almost to the point that you were so confused that you could very easily walk away and say, this is not something that I wanted to do. Overwhelming. Very overwhelming. And price points are very high. We're talking anywhere from $5,000 for a two-day course to $10,000. Yeah. For you know, a year membership into multiple courses and not a lot of training schools at the time were accepting respiratory therapists because we weren't being recognized as the healthcare professionals that we were. And so that was a little bit of an uphill battle working alongside the College of Respiratory Therapists and, you know, with their help, creating the awareness on where this profession could be. And so I ended up dipping my feet in multiple training institutions across the GTA, trying to, you know, this two-day course didn't sit well with me, but continue continuing to try and gather this knowledge so that I could feel confident enough to put this needle to somebody's face and know that if something were to go wrong, that I could deal with the complications appropriately. And that's maybe the respiratory therapist to me, right? We're always ready for that emergency situation. (laughs) But as we moved down that route, it was still very lonely. Although people were willing to share information with you, it wasn't enough to tell you what that next step was going to be. And a lot of the industry focused very heavily on the clinical skills right? Let's learn to inject. Let's learn the emergency procedure. And the biggest gap at the end of it all is, okay, so I've paid 5,000 or 10,000 now for these courses. Wow. What do I do? (laughs) Where do I go? Yeah. 
do I work for somebody? Do I set up my own business? Do I, you know, pay into this leased space and build out this beautiful clinic for myself? Somebody please tell me there's a whole nother space of this business piece that we were missing and still, you know, up till the creation of the aesthetic loft did not exist in the industry. And through my own struggles and my own journey, here's the kicker to it all, Brad. (laughs) I worked at a few spas here in the GTA. Yeah. I quickly learned that the bedside in this capacity was not for me. So although I had taken the training, I was like, whoa, I do not enjoy this whatsoever. And I also saw why so many people were trying to open their own space because a lot of the clinics in the GTA are either, you know, they can be run by a business owner, so by a corporation, or it can be run by estheticians, or it can be run by a group of people that integrity is always being questioned. And we're seeing a lot of my clientele who's coming through saying, I need to leave this space because my license is being put at risk. I don't feel like the integrity is being held up. The easiest next route for me now is to do my own thing. I hold the skill myself. And so the only piece I'm missing, Anissa, is how to open a business. And so with that realization that this bedside space wasn't for me and seeing all the things that were happening at other spas, I was like, this needs to be created. The aesthetic loft, a place where people can come to go beyond the clinical, to learn all the entrepreneurial things that you need to be successful as a healthcare practitioner, to start shifting those mindsets of what we have always known for our life in the hospital, now coming into this space, who is going to help these healthcare providers who have always shown up for other people in hospital at home, who's going to help them be successful now when they are asking for it the most? And that's why the Aesthetic Loft was born. And that's, you're rewiring people's thought process and their way of thinking. Because like you said, people in the healthcare industry have always been the ones taking care of everyone else. Now it's time to start taking care of us. So that means a whole rewiring of everything, which is not easy. You nailed it. (laughs) It is an uphill battle, but one that I am willing to stay the course because I think the impact and the realization at the end of it all, that's what's worth it, right? What's going to happen to a lot of these providers is they'll continue to stay in their same space and run circles around themselves trying to figure these things out if they don't get the help they need, which will result in a lot of money spent, a lot of shiny object syndrome. <laughs> and our business is built not only around you know the, the skills you need to be as an entrepreneur, but really taking the time to go deep and look within yourself. Because we were conditioned for so long to be following instructions and, you know, prescriptions per se. Yeah. Now it's time to take a look inward. Understand what you want to bring to the world. Understand the clients that you want to work with. Understand what makes you so unique that you just shine in the space and attract the people you want to work with. And like you said, it is a very big mindset shift. So I can probably say the aesthetic loft is not for everyone, Yeah, but if you're ready to level up your business, right, take it to that inner journey and not looking for a quick fix, we're definitely here to serve that market. Love it. So great segue into the aesthetic loft. Can you tell us a little bit more about the aesthetic loft? Give us a bit more background on it. Yes. So the aesthetic loft is threefold. So 
when I first came into the business, it was, there's a lack of community in this space, right? A lot of providers will talk about collaboration over competition to an extent, right? but there was no space where people were getting together, sharing information, learning from credible resources and an actual community per mm -hmm. se. So not just a membership space where you're going to read modules and watch videos and maybe get on a Q and A. <laughs> space that was actually nurturing right. a space that was going to make you think different and that is really our motto is we'll help you go beyond the clinical and think differently and so i started with my one-on-one -on -one coaching and what my one-on-one -on -one coaching did was the one thing that as healthcare providers we often forget is our why why did we come into this business and being able to pull out of your why all the unique characteristics that you hold as a person and what you need to show the world and while a lot of our clientele was coming to us and saying i need more clients i need more social media i need more marketing what we really started to identify is they needed to know themselves better. And in the moment they started to look inward to identify their why, what made them unique, all the other things start to fall into place because you become so confident and clear in the path that you're walking, this, this aligned purpose that we keep hearing about. Yeah, It really is that light bulb moment. And the clients no longer become a problem because you're messaging and you're speaking directly to who you want. The marketing no longer becomes an issue because you're so confident and clear in what you want to say. And so while we see all these surface things as the problem, yeah. the real issue is us looking within ourselves. So my one-on-one -on -one coaching is really built around identifying those foundations of your business so that you can move forward with clarity and stop the shiny object syndrome, which is the next marketing course, the next clinical course, right? Oh, this person says it works or she's doing this on social media. So I'm going to try it too. <laughs> and all of that just resulted in a lot of wasted money and time. Chasing your tail. That's right. And the resistance to looking within yourself is probably the biggest hurdle that we tried to work through, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, recognizing that ego is there to keep us safe and why we are resisting doing certain things in our business and coming back to the root of that. So my one-on-one -on -one coaching really goes deep into understanding that. My aim there is that you walk away with this document so confident in who you are and why you show up in the world that you can go to any social media team any marketing team and be able to be consistent across all platforms at the end of the day, your brand is going to be built and really set the frame of how you want to be perceived by the world. So that's one of the aspects of the loft. Right. And then we've got our get your shit together call is what I love <laughs> to call it because so many times we just have these ideas scattered in our brain and we just need somebody to help us put all the pieces together. Yeah outline the steps that we need to take and what is the next strategic move. And so that 90 minute get your shit together call is really a strategy call of, okay, let's get those pieces all put together for you and get you moving forward with action because this craziness of everything moving in your head is the cause of inaction most of the time. For sure. So if you're um, willing to sit and tell us what those issues are, we definitely can develop a strategic plan for you. 
And the next part of the Aesthetic Loft is our membership community. And what we've done there is we've really taken a look at the journey of somebody moving from the world of healthcare into the world of medical aesthetics, not from the clinical perspective, but from the business perspective. What are all the things that you need to take in consideration if you're going to walk this path? Legal, accounting, finances, social media, brand photography, everything that you could possibly need to set you up on that path. I have personally gone out, pre-vetted a group of resources to bring into this backend because one of the biggest things that's happening right now is the digital world is so noisy. Who do you trust? Yeah, for sure. Who understands the industry? Who understands you enough? that they will be able to bring your messaging and your vision to life. And so I have worked with every creator, every resource that is in our backend, personally and financially. And this community space is going to be somewhere where you can bounce ideas off of, where you can find your cheerleaders in those moments that, you know, the space can get really lonely. Figure out that next step. And if you want a DIY solution, we're going to give you the ability to do that. If you want a done-for-you solution, we will have that as well. Because one of the gaps that existed when I was building my business was everything was so segmented, right? You had to get legal over here, accounting over here, social media over here, marketing funnel over here. And that caused a lot of stress on the owner and a lot of disconnect in what's happening with your messaging. So if we could bring it all into one space, provide you with that journey that you need to be successful, or let's help you on that way to success. This is what the membership is all about. Once you've created and built a one-stop shop, everything is there under one roof. And that was really designed to meet the need of the frustrations that we were hearing from the healthcare professionals in the space. And so, yeah, it was really built out of my own experiences and the frustrations that I experienced. Again, the aesthetic space, we're slightly different than the rest of the world because we're governed by our colleges. Our rules are slightly different. We've got Health Canada watching what we're doing. We've got our colleges watching what we're doing. And so we got to be really careful in the things that we put out there. Nobody was addressing that in their businesses. We can assure you coming into the back end that I personally am watching over all of those things to make sure that you are never brought to the college because you've done something wrong on social media. Your marketing is claiming something that it shouldn't. And we're just there to make this path, you know, it's difficult enough being an entrepreneur. So how can we make this path easier for you? I love it. That's that's why the aesthetic off was born. Amazing what you've built. So what are some of the challenges then that you faced early on with the business and how did you overcome them? So early on, I was in a learning phase of my own and really meeting everything at a surface level in terms of its needs. So I brought on my own marketing company. I went out and sourced. I said, I'm a startup. I'm looking for a marketing company to help me get this on the road. Mistake number one. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Because as I tell all my clients and my community, you need to understand your foundations of your business before you invest any sort of marketing, be it social media, you know, or email funnels. Because if you don't understand who you are, who you're speaking to, the problem you're solving and why you uniquely solve it, everything else becomes garbage if that foundation is not built. Yeah, for sure. And I quickly learned that. And so marketing is not the first step understanding yourself and building your brand, building your foundations, that's step number one. And I spent a lot of money figuring that one out. And I vowed to myself that I would not allow this to happen 
to my community. Our business knowledge is so minimal that it's very easy for industry gurus, people that, you know, are looking for that next dollar because the aesthetic space is viewed as a very lucrative space, as a space where people have money to spend. Well, I know that a lot of your hard-earned dollars as a healthcare professional are being put into building these businesses. And I really want to make sure that you're investing that money in the right place. And that was built again out of me hopping to write to marketing and not really having a firm understanding of the business. And so that was probably one of the biggest lessons yeah, I learned. That's a tough lesson. And why it is an expensive lesson. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I think that lesson too, that can, that goes across the board for any business, anyone getting into the entrepreneurial world, not just aesthetics, but you have to know your why it all starts here within you. Absolutely. The challenge we face, Brad, in the the healthcare professional world, that space, no one's ever asked us our why. No one's ever taken the time to ask us what we've wanted out of our career in our life. Because once you're in the hospital, that seems to be your career path moving forward. And so now that the aesthetic loft exists to ask you your why, to make you think and go a little bit deeper, people are are really starting to understand that there's more to their life than the four walls and even medical aesthetics. And so part of what we do as well is, you know, something I wish somebody had done for me before yeah. I spent the $20,000 in courses is to tell you what the industry entails. What yeah. are you getting into before you invest that 15 grand into courses with only the realization at the end of it that you don't like this industry, yeah. but now you feel forced to stay here to make back up the money that you have spent in training. And so you've jumped from one fire into the, the other. Next. I want to try and educate you enough before you make that leap into the space to save you that that money and that energy. And then we'll direct you into somewhere that you may love just purely out of us discovering what your passion and your purpose is. It doesn't have to be medical aesthetics. Yeah. There are so many options for healthcare providers and just average people. You don't even need that, but really discovering the impact you want to have in the world and how you're going to do that. The aesthetic loft is designed to help you navigate that space as well. Look at the impact you're having, how much you're giving <laughs> back as a result of your experience. I think it is absolutely incredible that you are that selfless and are willing to give back and share that knowledge that you've learned in your journey so that others don't have to go through what you went through. That is an incredibly selfless thing. And that is what a true entrepreneur and human being does. You are incredible. I'm just, it's amazing, truly. Thank you. I appreciate that. I love the name of the business. Love it. How did you come up with the name? So the Aesthetic Loft, before COVID hit, was actually supposed to be a brick and mortar location. Okay. We were designing a space to help new entrepreneurs coming into the world of aesthetics. We would have them in a community-based brick and mortar, helping them to develop their sales and marketing while they perfected their clinical skills. And then COVID hit. And a brick and mortar just was not in the question any longer. But the vision I had for this space was comfort, yet luxurious, a little bit of dim, you know, dim lights. People were coming (laughs) in, we were having drinks, conversations, education. And that to me embodied the name, the aesthetic loft. We aren't clinical, right? We're a gathering space 
for people who want like like-minded individuals to help each other grow. And to me, the aesthetic loft, the name of the business really embodied when I close my eyes and I think of it, this was the name and the space that came to life. Do you think that you will get to that point and revisit the, <laughs> lo- the brick and mortar at some point? Absolutely. It probably will not happen within the next year, probably two years out. Yeah. The universe works in interesting ways. It certainly does. Right? Because probably creating a community before the brick and mortar yes. is probably <laughs> the way that it yeah. should have happened. For sure. For sure. <laughs> And I'm grateful that the community we're building online is happening before the brick and mortar location. Very wise. (laughs) (laughs) Anissa, what inspires or lights you up the most about the work that you do? Oh, the impact we have, you know, my one-on-one clients, Brad, when we're done our session and they have got this foundational package that they're moving forward with, the messages that I get either bring tears to my eyes or goosebumps all over because a lot of them will say, you know, I'm moving forward in my business with such clarity. Anissa, you're truly a light worker. You've removed energy blocks from my life that I didn't even know existed that were keeping me back, but I would have continued down that path if I didn't meet you. These people have gone on now to build their own clinic spaces with amazing brands, a really dedicated niche, and just knowing the impact that they want to have on the world based on their why. And while a lot of aesthetic providers go out there and want to serve the masses, they want to serve everyone and make everyone look beautiful and refreshed. The clients that I work with have really focused in on what makes them happy. And as a result, will attract the clients that they want to work with and continue to bring them joy. And so the impact, the clarity, it's just undescribable, the feeling of when your clients reach out to you when you're done. to say, holy shit, this is what I needed. I didn't know it. And I'm so glad that I did it. And thank you. That's beautiful to know that you've had impact on another human being's life is the ultimate. There's no better feeling in the world. None, nothing tops that. Absolutely. I could not agree more. It is, it is the absolute best feeling as an entrepreneur, a business owner, as a mother, yeah, right, as a, a respiratory therapist, it all starts to come full circle. Yeah, it's just that impact that you can have for sure. You say that medical aesthetics is one of the fastest growing professions for healthcare providers leaving the hospitals. Why do you think this has exploded the way it has? <laughs> Well, one, because of the shift of nursing that's happening in the healthcare space right now. So COVID has really brought to light all of what providers were looking for and not getting it just it tenfold in the hospital at this point. The appreciation was no longer there. They were having was it, to was it their, ever there, hide though? their identities. Well, that's a great question. And so I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that it was a slow leak, right? But we're coming to this time in, in my opinion, in the universe where people are really finding their voices, where people are really starting to see the light and looking for the guidance to make that move that they weren't really sure about for the last few years. And that light is really starting to attract a lot of our healthcare professionals. And so 
why I think they've moved to medical aesthetics. I think one, again, our digital world really glamorizes the world of medical aesthetics and the minimal training required to get into the space from a clinical standpoint. So like I said, you don't have to go to university. You don't need another three-year degree. A two-day course at a $5,000 to $10,000 price point is looking like a pretty good option if now I can move and get all this freedom and autonomy that I've been looking for my entire career. But that's not actually the truth. And a lot of them are not finding that out until they get beyond the clinical. What advice would you give someone else that's interested in pursuing a career that's similar to yours? I tell them dream big, think big, don't look at the now, look at the future. Dig deep within yourself and figure out what it is you absolutely love to do. Then do that. Don't follow the path. Don't get onto social media and start looking at what everybody else is doing, what seems successful, because the success you're going to find is when you start to look within yourself. As you mentioned, this whole shiny thing syndrome and you get caught up and while they're doing this and they're successful, I'm going to try that. Yeah. A lot of our brands, it's funny you you mentioned that because, you know, the, the medical aesthetic space, our providers show up in their Louboutins and their Gucci and their Chanel, and they're looking like a million bucks, right? Like things are going on. And so if I have the opportunity in this podcast to shed some reality on this, guys, I work with a lot of these clinics and it is a facade. They aren't doing as well as this, you know, persona that they are portraying is doing. And social media can be deceiving. It's a difficult road and you can put on all the shiny that you want in this costume that you're wearing, but that no, behind that, it's hard work. It's a lonely world that requires perseverance and a true love of what you're doing. And so don't fall into the trap of this looks good, right? Yeah. It looks glamorous. She's got so much freedom. She can spend time with her family or she's wearing, you know, I'm no longer in scubs. Now I can go into Gucci. Yeah. No, there's so much more going on behind the scenes. And I'd like to give you the exposure of what's happening behind the scenes before you make that move. The media is a highlight reel. That's all they are is highlight reels. They don't show you the downside of shit that doesn't get talked about. And I think that in the entrepreneurial world, that's something that I think, I think that we as entrepreneurs in this world, if we have the knowledge and the experience, we should be sharing with people. It's our response. It's almost like it's our responsibility to share with up and comers, people just breaking into it that, you know what, it's not all puppy dogs and ice cream and rainbows. It's not the way it works. And because it's so often, I think, entrepreneur life gets romanticized and glamorized and it's not, I mean, don't get me wrong. It is great. It really is. It truly is. But there's also another side of it that doesn't get talked about the, as you've mentioned many times, the loneliness, the isolation, the struggles that you go through, the struggle is real and that needs to get talked about more. And I think the onus is on us as entrepreneurs to talk about these things. 100%. I totally agree. And another reason why the aesthetic loft exists is to bring that truth to a space where, like I said, healthcare providers are looking for that next step. We want to ensure that that next step is in your best purpose. We want to give you all the information that you could possibly want or need ahead of time 
to accelerate that journey to where you want to be without having you spend tens of thousands of dollars to find that out. And that's where our community space comes in to play. Love it. It's amazing. A while back, I interviewed a woman who is a plastic surgeon. And in her line of work, the ratio of male versus female surgeons, I think it was like five to one. I mean, that's pretty staggering. Now in your field of work, medical aesthetics, it seems though those are completely reversed. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? And do you know what the stats are in terms of male versus female ratio? And is this an industry where there are many, if any, men who work in this field? Mm-hmm. So great question. Interesting enough, the world of medical aesthetics, if a healthcare provider decides that they are going to go into the field of medical aesthetics, that data is not actually being captured anywhere at the moment. We do not have a true hold on how many providers, healthcare providers are serving as medical estheticians in Canada, at least. With regards to the male versus female, there are a lot of amazing male aesthetic providers. For some reason, we don't see them on social media as much as we see the female counterparts. Absolutely. Now, if we are looking at a ratio of nurses, nursing has always tended to be a female-dominated career path. And so that's being reflected in the world of medical aesthetics as we see that shift. From the physician standpoint, there are a lot of male physicians who are running plastic surgery or cosmetic clinics aligned with that, but are very good in the field of aesthetics. But what I think we're seeing is just the general ratios of that career path from the hospital as they start to make this shift. Interesting. Now, since the massive explosion of social media platforms and all the people in the world using them today, in your opinion, how has that impacted your line of work? And has there been an increase in the amount of people wanting to start a career in the world of medical aesthetics as a result of also, has there been an increase in the amount of clients being seen as a result of this explosion? I love this question. So as medical aesthetic providers, we can get caught up in our world of healthcare jargon, what makes sense to us, how we feel we need to show up in this space. And so First off, yes, the world of social media, digital marketing has really exploded the space to glamorize the field of medical aesthetics, hence the shift that we are seeing from hospital into this space. What that has done to the consumer side is created a lot of confusion and a lot of trust issues, okay? While there are a lot of people seeking medical aesthetic procedures, they're having a very hard time finding a provider that they can trust. And so what I want, this is a little segue into what we do with the aesthetic loft. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'd love to use this example. As you walk into Home Depot and you've got three light bulbs, they all seemingly do the same thing. They light up a room, they can dim a room. One of them is a dollar, one is $5, one is $10. Consumer behavior, if all looks the same on the outside, we're going for the dollar. Yeah. It's not until we dig deeper or light bulb number two and light bulb number three start to tell us that, you know, they can save us $500 a year because they're energy efficient or the $10 one can start to change colors depending on my mood to help me out with seasonal affective disorder. There's some big differences that are very unique 
to option number two and option number three. Right. Aesthetic providers are like light bulbs. <laughs> Great analogy. We are, we are all showing up the same way on social media, right? We are all so concerned about what everybody else is saying that we're afraid to show up in our own light and say why we are unique and why we are worth the five and the $10 from our clients. Yet we get so angry when our clients choose dollar light bulb over here. <laughs> and we show up and like, come on, guys, you got to stop choosing these cheap injectors who are ruining your lips and making your face look like this. And I'm here telling my clients, look, I totally understand what you're getting at, but you're not giving them a reason to choose you over the dollar provider. Come work with the aesthetic loft. Let's help you find out what your unique <laughs> value proposition is. So that you can be light bulb number $5 or $10. I love it. That's a great analogy. Brilliant. Because right? that's what our clients and our consumers are seeing on the other end. So while social media has created this shift of nursing into the world of medical aesthetics, we've created so much confusion for potential customers and clients on the other end. So how can we fix this? How can we have this group of providers who are truly amazing at what they are doing to start shining their light on social media and showing up? Aesthetic loft That's who they were meant that. to be. <laughs> I love it. Right? Pure brilliance, Anissa. Pure brilliance. <laughs> <laughs> what is one common myth about your profession that you would like to debunk? That it's easy. That all it requires is a clinical skill right? A lot of providers think because they were trained as critical care nurses or emergency care nurses, the fact that they can put an IV in with their eyes closed will make them a great medical aesthetic provider. And that is not the case. Your clinical skill is only one part of the puzzle. Small part. A very small part at the end of the day. And here's the problem. They think it's 90% and it's actually flipped, they gotta right? Flip the script. <laughs> they got to flip the script. But who's telling you that? The aesthetic. No one's telling you now. that. <laughs> That's right. We're here to tell you why your business piece is actually 90% of the equation, right? While you can put a needle to face, you're great at your clinical skills. In order to be a successful business, We've got to help you with that 90%. Now, working in the world of medical aesthetics, can you speak a little bit about what self-love, body acceptance, women's empowerment, what do these things mean to you, Anissa, on a personal level? I've always been a person who I like to look good, right? Mm -hmm. I've worked in the corporate world. I know the power of what a good outfit, a good you know, good set of lips and that Botox, how that can make you feel walking into a room. And I think the world of medical aesthetics is designed just for that. The people that are looking for that extra boost when you're walking into that room to make you feel like you've got your shit together, nothing better than the aesthetics who you are. <laughs> and so while the world has actually made a great shift in medical aesthetics and its acceptance. At one time, the word Botox was so taboo. Yeah. You couldn't turn around and tell people that you were getting Botox and lip filler because we associated it with like the Joan Rivers of the world and, <laughs> you know, the Pamela Andersons. Yeah. The analogies were so off, but you can actually see it's not even about anti-aging. It's about aging 
in your comfort zone? What makes you feel good as you walk out into the world? And so I'm excited that the movement of medical aesthetics is making the waves that it is, where people can now make these decisions freely and be confident enough to talk about it. And that's all aligned in the world of empowerment and your body positivity and showing up as you and not giving a crap about what the world has to say about it. There we go. And that's it right there. So speaking of empowerment, what does that word mean to you? Empowerment to me means giving somebody all the tools and resources they need to be successful. Love it. That's what empowerment means. (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. What drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going and pushing and excelling at all that you do? Because I know there's so much more to be had. You mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that it is a mindset shift and it's not an easy space. But if I don't do it, who's going to come into the space and do it for them? To date, there hasn't been anybody. I think the impact that we can have on this healthcare profession, not only in the world of medical aesthetics, because like I said, we do help you with other options outside of the aesthetic world. That's what drives me is the impact that I'm having on these women who have, and men who have given back time after time after time, it's their time to shine. How can I help that? And while the hill may seem real steep right now, I'm determined to keep climbing because eventually we'll get to the top. I love your mission. I think it's amazing. And again, as I mentioned previously, so selfless and just that want and need for you to give back and and create impact on people and that is that's everything in life that truly is isn't that why we're here to leave the world a better place than when we got here that's it and that's what you're doing i think it's amazing thank you what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful oh it's that curiosity (laughs) right and my dad would totally agree with this. I was the kid who never stopped asking questions. Why? But why? why? <laughs> but why? <laughs> Tell me more. Are you sure? Which probably led me into the world of healthcare to start with, right? The passion and the drive to go there is to, to really understanding why. And so my superpower is to always remain curious, to ask questions, to never settle for just the status quo, to dig deeper and understand, and then be able to share that with other people. That's There's my The inner child's still there. Isn't that great though? You think about <laughs> it. I mean, really, as we grow older and into adulthood, it's almost like it's that, that childlike or inner child is left behind. And what's wrong with that? I, I think we should embrace our inner child from, from time to time and remember what it's like to be a kid. Behave like a kid sometimes. Why not? Life is short. That's the one thing we forget. Yes. Yes. We forget to have fun. Exactly. Because we're so busy caught up in the responsibility of adulting and, oh, we've got to do this and we've got to do that. and Just take a break from it every once in a while and go back to being a kid. Nothing wrong with that. Go back to having fun. Speaking of success. Totally agree. How do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? (laughs) Again the impact you have on other people's lives. Plain and simple. That's what plain and simple. That's what defines success for me. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning that? And what was your life like after learning it? 
So I started my career as a healthcare provider in hospital, quickly moved to the corporate world. None of those things require you to look deeper within yourself. It wasn't the moment until I got myself a life and intuitive coach to help me along that path, to explore a part of me that I had never looked at before, to remind me why the perspective I have on certain things in life today are rooted in my experiences of the past and how that I can shift that moving forward, that was life-changing. And I couldn't do it on my own. I needed that person to help guide that experience for me. And that's the biggest change that I experienced in my life was bringing in a guide, bringing in somebody to help me get the clarity that I was lacking and realizing that I didn't have to do it all on my own that I didn't need to figure this all out on my own. And actually getting help was the best thing that I could have done. Let's be honest. I mean, really, we can't do it all on our own. You just can't. There's always somebody out, as they say with children, it takes a village, right? It's the same thing. And I think that that is a very common thing that we as human beings deal with is that fear or pride or whatever. I mean, it's so many different things of asking for help. I'm too proud to ask for help or I'm scared of being rejected. I'm not going to ask anyone for help. I, I'm going to do this on my, and then you struggle. But then once you get past that point where you realize, wait a minute, asking for help. People, I have found anyways in my own journey that people are usually, of course, depending on the people you surround yourself with, people are usually more than willing to help. All you have to do is ask. They can't read minds. They don't know you need help unless you tell them, right? And if you don't ask, the answer will always, always, always be no, right? So just ask. The worst they can say is no. And if that's the case, okay, I'll move on to the next person. And another thing I've learned too is that just because someone says no, doesn't mean unequivocally and definitely it's a no, period. It just could mean no, not right now. Now's not the right time. So revisit it later, right? Yes. Um, You bring up an amazing point because as healthcare providers working in those hospital walls, asking for help sometimes is not an option or sometimes frowned upon, meaning that, right, your competence is being taken into account. You are in a situation where everybody else is busy and you need to figure this out on your own. And once you've been doing that, you know, a lot of them are coming in with five to 25 years experience into the world of, that is a hard thing to understand. Yeah. To understand that you cannot do this all on your own. I mean, you can, the journey will be a lot tougher. Yeah. It may take you a lot longer, but if you can get past that hurdle and realize that bringing people into your space and asking those questions, getting the help you need, we can accelerate that journey for you. And again, that's why the Aesthetic Loft is here to help you accelerate that journey There you go. and help you realize that you do not have to do it on your own. Let's put that to rest, right? You've left that space. Let's start making the mindset shifts that you need to help you succeed in this entrepreneurial life. 100%. And it doesn't happen overnight, right? Right? Like this is not something that you snap your fingers and you get it. It's a fucking journey. This is a, (laughs) it's a journey. And that's why the community and the membership was created because it doesn't happen in, you know, a six week coaching session or 12 modules that you're going to watch. No, The shift occurs over time and that shift needs to be supported with people who are going to help you or have been there before you 
and can offer the advice. That right there, that piece of that puzzle with community is that you come to realize through listening to other members of your community that, hey, I'm not the only one that's dealing with this. And it gives you permission to stand up and say, hey, you know, I feel like that too. Can I get help with this? I need help with that. You know, it's, that's, it gives people permission. Community is such an amazing thing. Absolutely. Community. It's, I just think our space has never had that sense of community right? in the way that we're bringing it forward. Yes, communities exist from the clinical standpoint. Absolutely. But when it comes to the world of business and entrepreneurship, it's foreign yeah. to us as healthcare providers. And so yeah. we're trying to, trying to make our way in this, the space that has never seen anything like it before. Amazing. Anissa, what is your personal motto? My personal motto comes back to my superpower, which is always think different, remain curious. That's it. The end of the day. (laughs) Think different. That is the most important thing. That is what has gotten me to this point today is thinking differently and kind of carving a path for myself and those who want to join. That's what's going to set you apart. Then I'm not the dollar light bulb, Brad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're the $20 light bulb. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> what would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? The best piece of advice I have ever received is perspective. Always be aware of the glasses that you are wearing, right? Because That perspective and that view is rooted in your past experiences, your life, and may not be the best representation at that time. I've been told, and the advice I've been given is to remove the glasses. Everything that I have learned or has been wired may not be serving my best purpose. And removing those glasses and really having an understanding of myself, taking those quiet moments, the moments that are not busy, you know, creating an email, getting on a phone call, all that busy work we do as entrepreneurs, that the gold is actually found in the quiet and in the perspective that we have. Love it. That is amazing. Hey, we're going to hop into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions, just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Let's do it. What was your dream job as a child? (laughs) It was probably to be, it's funny. My dream job as a child was probably to be a doctor or something within the healthcare world. And there I was. What was your very first job? I was an admin assistant. So I used to work for recruiting companies every summer and I was usually doing some sort of desk job. What's the first thing you think of when I say the word future? My kids. How would you describe yourself in one word? (laughs) Aware. (laughs) (laughs) If you could teach the world one thing, what would that one thing be? No judgment. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? the world to be a more integral place for people to show up with credibility. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? (laughs) May stop talking at any time. (laughs) If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? (laughs) Oh, I would change, you know, you gave like, I thought about this one, this one, this one really, 
put us down for on me because there's so many things I would like to change. But I think it really comes back to judgment back again. I want to change the world in terms of how we judge people. Entrepreneur life is lonely. <laughs> that was an easy one. Yeah. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What would you say are the top three skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? Awareness, mm -hmm. the ability to communicate and integrity. What would you say is the most entrepreneurial thing about you? My empathy. Okay. <laughs> I didn't list it in there, but I think my empathy is a huge part of why I am as successful as I am today. What is the one thing that you know now that you wish you knew when you started your entrepreneurial journey? It doesn't have to be perfect. That's a big one. That is so true. That's a huge one. Yeah. You come out with these big dreams. You plan, yeah. you plan, you plan. And you know, you put these expectations on it. And when it doesn't meet that expectation, it's not as perfect as you want. That's a whole lot of disappointment. For sure. What does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? Don't fear failure. <laughs> that's, that's another huge thing that we as entrepreneurs deal with is that fear of failure. And failure is just, it's, it's a lesson. And that's the way you got to look at it. There's nothing wrong with failure. Failure is good. That's how you learn and the best version of me has no fear of failure. Love it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a work in progress, Brad. It's yeah, a work of in progress. course. Well, we are works in progress. We never get to that point. It's we're constantly working on ourselves and improving and learning. And that's, that's what it's about. It's about the journey, not the destination, right? I tell my clients, you are a work in progress and a masterpiece all at the same time. Love it. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? <laughs> this one is going to sound so cliche, but I don't care. And it's going to be Oprah. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. I say it in my head, Oprah, Oprah. I know she's going to say Oprah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why very quickly. Oprah to me is the ultimate connector. Mm -hmm. She always realized that she didn't have to be the best at everything or know everything, but she always found the people that were, that were going to bring the most value to her community and to her audience. She always wanted to make sure she brought the best of the best and associating with the best of the best made her the best of the best. And when you get into a space like this, into the world of aesthetics, it's really difficult to not want to be everything to everybody. And we really embody the not having to be everything, but I will find you the experts and I will level up whatever we bring to this community in terms of value. And I'd love to have a conversation with her about how she built what she did. I think it's very interesting that you said but talked about being everything to everybody. I think that's a very common thing among women is that this conditioning that they have to be everything to everybody, therefore causing women to take a back seat to themselves, right? Because they, they got to be Absolutely. there for their kids, their husband, their job, their, their wife, whatever the case may be and put themselves second. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice what would that piece of advice be? Listen more. <laughs> I'm sure my dad's going to love that one. 
(laughs) (laughs) It's, it's true though. I mean, really people, I think we, as people, we just want to be heard. We want to know that we're heard and that we're being listened to. A friend of mine told me a while back, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yep. (laughs) Right. Someday I have five mouths and one ear. Let me tell you. Lastly, Anissa, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What, What would you say? What words of wisdom would you impart? That there is so much within yourself that you have not given a chance for the world to see. It's time to start digging deep and remember the badass that you are. Come out and show the world while you are not part of this cookie cutter operation. Don't be afraid of failure. Do not get caught up in perfection. And ultimately, at the end of the day, remember who you are and what you stand for. Beautifully said. Poetic. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Anissa, thank you so very much for taking the time and making the time to be here with me today and share a bit about your journey and your story and your experiences and your wisdom. And I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I am so grateful to you and appreciative. I am honored to have you as a guest and a member of the Empowerography community. This has been such an inspirational conversation. Thank you for all that you're doing and for being you, beautiful you. I appreciate you. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate you for allowing me to share my story and to share it with this amazing community that you're building. Thank you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Anissa Muhammad. She's the owner and founder of The Aesthetic Loft. Thank you so much, Anissa. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thanks, Brad. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.